All right, you guys are live. All right. Good evening. This is the City of Alameda Transportation Commission holding a special meeting on today, October 20th. And we're going to start by um, with reading the government code that allows us to continue doing virtual meetings. So Lisa, if you don't mind. Certainly. Pursuant, uh, I'm Lisa Foster, Senior Transportation Coordinator with the City of Alameda. Pursuant to Assembly Bill 361, codified as Government Code Section 54953, Transportation Commissioners can attend the meeting via teleconference. The City allows public participation via Zoom. Wonderful, thank you. And now we'll go ahead and go into um, Agenda Item 1 roll call. Um, Commissioner Johnson. Um, present. <laughs> Commissioner Colstrand. Here. Commissioner Natsigal? Here. Chair Souls? Here. Commissioner Susanthira? Here. Commissioner Whitesey? He's not here. And Vice Chair Yuan? Here. Thank you. Um, under agenda um, item two, agenda changes, I wanted to propose one um, for consideration by my fellow commissioners. Um, if you recall at the last meeting, we had some feedback on the streets classification. At the time we were planning to put that into a subcommittee meeting to finish that out before the item came back for action. We didn't know if that meeting was gonna be able to be held because we were running into the holiday schedules and other things and these are on a timeline. And so we were um, entertaining the idea of putting it out in this meeting because staff did have things to respond to only at the last meeting. Um, our planners and our consultants that have been helping with this effort weren't present. So staff wanted to be able to provide some feedback there. Now that we have the subcommittee meeting scheduled and I think that the content of the subcommittee meeting, as well as what we would just be discussing here, are similar. I'm proposing a motion to um, nix this item from the agenda this evening, have it come back to the subcommittee as it is scheduled and on the books officially now, and then have it come back to the full commission for action. So I have that's my motion on the table. I'm open to discussion or any kind of concerns or a second. Commissioner Colstrand. I would second that. I was surprised to see it on the agenda. Um, I think it's really critical to pull these two items together. And, um, you know, I, I think we need to have a really rigorous discussion about that um, because that, those are gonna be the most challenging efforts in, finally pulling these two documents together is figuring out how they fit nicely together and what the city priorities are. So um, I think we need a more detailed discussion to kind of formulate, uh, help formulate the position of the commission. So I would be in favor of that. And I uh, second the resolution or the amendment or motion, excuse me. So we have a motion on the table, a seconded to pull the agenda item number six um, B from the agenda this evening and put that back in this committee as planned. Are there any other comments before I take a vote? 
Commissioner Sutantira? I think that's an appropriate move, um, you know, having not had any um, additional input or any work done after our last um, uh, commission meeting. Um, so I would uh, was vote in favor. Okay. All right, let's, let's do a vote and get a show of hands if you're in favor of pulling this from the agenda under item two, 6B goes away. All right, the motion passes unanimously. So if we could just get that recorded, Lisa, we can close that agenda item and go on to staff communications under agenda item three for this evening. Thank you all for uh, entertaining that. Well, thank you. I'll give an update. Um, the Clement Avenue Tilden Way project released draft concepts and held its second round of outreach earlier this month, but the survey is still open for anybody who wants to weigh in on that. The Lincoln Avenue Marshall Way and Pacific Avenue Improvements Project is holding its second round of outreach to review draft concepts uh, later this month. We have a virtual workshop coming up on Tuesday, October 25th at 6.30 and an in-person open house on Thursday, October 27th at 11. Um, Mastic Senior Center, we have a couple of events coming up. The Transportation 101, 101 is um, November 29th and Hop on the Bus Trips coming up on October 25th and November 15th. Link 21, which is the long-term BART and Capital Corridor Planning Project, has an Oakland East Bay virtual public meeting on Wednesday, October 26th at 5.30. Uh, for construction, you might be seeing some machines out on the streets working on our pavement resurfacing for the city. That's resurfacing and safety enhancements that's going on right now. And Caltrans is still working on adding their flashing beacons and crosswalk improvements at six intersections along California Highway 61. With completion expected soon. They are also, um, as I've announced in the past, begun during, doing early construction work on their Encinal Avenue project, uh, though the pavement resurfacing and restriping is aimed for next year. Um, wanted to let you all know that uh, the City Council on October 4th approved concepts for Grand Street between Shoreline and Encinal that included a two-way cycle track between Shoreline and Otis, which was different than what you all reviewed. That's in front of Wood School. And then, the, but they also removed the protected bike lanes between Otis and Encinal. However, on November 1st, the City Council will consider new information regarding the concept of chicanes for that section between Otis and Encinal and authorize and consider authorizing staff to proceed with construction documents. And um, for everything that I just listed, there are URLs in the agenda item for people to have more information. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, moving on to agenda item four, announcements first. And so if there's any announcements, then I'll take any public comment. Commissioner Colstrand. I just raise a question. Um, I think the Encinal project moved through the commission before I joined it. And um, if not tonight, I'd, I'd just like a very brief explanation of what's involved in that project. Uh, whether it's, uh, is it a road diet for the state highway or um, what's involved in that project? 
Okay. It is it is a road diet, um, you know, four to three with a center two a center turn lane, and uh, and bike lanes, and it has crossing improvements and of course resurfacing. Um, there are other details I'm not mentioning that I could get more information to you, and of course it is a Caltrans project. I think there were some schematics that were particularly helpful in that staff presentation, if I'm remembering the right one. Find that. Okay. Um, any other announcements? Um, I just have one that we had. We don't usually have this as a special meeting, so we don't usually get to say this, but the, um, the walk and roll to school day was this month. And it had, I don't know if it was just me or if it's just I'm used to, I'm not used to because of coming back from the pandemic, but we had a really, really good turnout. I saw a lot of families on scooters and bikes and walking and just a lot of really energetic kids. And it was also a great promotion of our Safe Routes to School program um, that we've been working on collaboratively with some of the um, bicycling organizations. And so I just thought that was if you didn't if you didn't notice or you weren't out that day or don't have a kid in school it was uh, I thought a really a really great great year for it so props to all the people that put that together and if you're a parent that um, uses an active method to get to school thank you very much um, let's see if there's any public comment uh, looks like Mr. Susan there you have your hand up Maybe I just two. wanted to add on to your comment on um... Uh, bike to school day. Uh, I was there at Bay Farm School and um, it was a good turnout, very exciting. And, uh, you know, the community and the kids, um, yeah, they were pretty excited. And I, we could see, I don't know how it was prior to pandemic, uh, you know, in terms of the numbers, but I was a parent there in the school. We could see still um, it was, uh, you know, good turnout. Yeah. Thank you for that. Okay, I don't see any other hands up, but let me just ask for a quick second if we have any, I know wait, we do have. Um, I see one public comment I'm gonna go ahead and take, um, Jim Stralo, and we don't have a timer that will show, but we'll let you know when your three minutes is, is up, I believe, verbally. So I'm sorry if I have to interrupt you. Thank you. Uh, I realized that uh, the comments that I made uh, about Sherman Street were at a city council meeting and not a, a transportation commission meeting. So I wanted to make sure the transportation commission heard my comments and I see the clock now. Um, that westbound uh, traffic along uh, Clement has a dedicated bike lane, but it becomes a sidewalk at Sherman Street uh, and it becomes narrow on that uh, sidewalk with a three inch drop off on both sides of the sidewalk. However, I actually prefer that sidewalk instead of the hard to get to westbound bike lane that's on Atlantic because of how Sherman Street vehicles when northbound vehicles uh, have to make that left-hand turn onto Atlantic that they, because of the weird configuration of that uh, intersection that the vehicles tend to want to you know, turn right into that bike lane. So it's just a weird configuration, but to compound it, the eastbound Atlantic Avenue traffic making a right turn onto Sherman have to navigate around a difficult to see piece of uh, cement that uh, some cars drive over it or drive around it. 
Uh, I just uh, don't understand it. It seems that there's a reason for it, but uh, it, it, it's just ill-conceived. I also wanted to point out two other things. I was on my bicycle at Buena Vista Avenue, waiting at Park Street at noontime, and I had to wait one minute for the countdown clock uh, of Park Street before I could cross. Right there, Buena Vista is a very narrow street and normally the countdown clock is about nine to 10 seconds. I would hate to see an AC transit bus going either direction on Buena Vista uh, would have to wait that full minute around noontime. The last thing I wanted to mention is that an intersection that might deserve a roundabout, you're hearing this from me, or a traffic circle is at the intersection of Pacific at Central Main Street. Due to the traffic and long waits of signals, a traffic circle might actually help uh, the traffic handle its own priority of who goes next. There are closed streets uh, that force people onto a Pacific or that's a, you know, there's, there's lots of uh, uh, peak times when there's a lot of vehicles going through that traffic and the timed signal at that intersection is you know doesn't do uh, doesn't uh, do just cause for uh, the people waiting to, to cross from all four different directions. It's a very heavily used intersection at times, and I could see that having a roundabout or traffic circle. Thank you. Thank you. Do we have any other public comments? No one else is raising their hand at this time. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Um, we do not have anything on the consent calendar as this is a special meeting, so we don't have any minutes to approve. So I'm going to open and promptly close agenda item five and move on to agenda item six, the regular agenda 6A. I believe we have a presentation, so I'll turn it over to staff. Rochelle, I'm looking in your direction. <laughs> Hello. Oh, good evening, Chair Souls and Commissioners. I just realized I was not LinkedIn also with my other device here. Apologies. No worries. All right, so I can share my screen now. Okay. All right, I think we're all good. All right. Well, um, again, good evening, Chair Souls and Commissioners. I'm Rochelle Wheeler, Senior Transportation Coordinator with the City of Alameda. And I'm very pleased to say that on October 3rd, we released our draft active transportation plan. And tonight we're here to hear your comments and input on it. Um, just a reminder, this is not an action item tonight. My co-presenter tonight is Michael Hintz from Tool Design, which is a nationally recognized bicycle pedestrian um, planning and engineering consulting firm that worked with us to develop this plan. Um, tonight, uh, we'll refresh you on the history and foundations of this plan, describe what's in the plan, including the eight-year um, action plan or implementation plan, um, and then we'll be available for questions and to hear your input and input from the public. So I do wanna um, take a moment just to um, define some terms and kind of lay some groundwork. Uh, active transportation is a less commonly used term. Um, so I just wanna remind everybody that when we use that, we're referring to all active modes of transportation, including walking and biking, as well as 
using wheelchairs and mobility scooters, um, also using push and electric scooters, electric bikes, skateboards, uh, bike share, and more. Um, and Alameda, and this plan is updating and combining our existing but very old pedestrian master plan and bike plan. So the draft plan before you is three years old and, uh, or I'm sorry, it's not three, draft plan before you is three years and two public engagement phases in the making. We kicked off this plan, as some of you will remember, in 2019 with extensive community engagement and evaluation of existing conditions to find out what the community wants and feels they need. Then we developed draft recommendations for vision and goals the bike and pedestrian networks, programs, and street concepts. And we solicit, solicited input on this in mid-2020 during the first summer of the pandemic. Um, and now we're in 2022 with the release of the plan. And I wanna remind the, you all that the Transportation Commission, while we've been going to a lot of commissions for input, is the lead city commission for this plan and has had five presentations to date on this plan with today being the sixth one. And the goal at this time is to bring the plan to the city council to consider for adoption in December. This active transportation plan is really an implementation plan in that it implements existing adopted city plans and policies. And these on the screen are the three main ones. The plan is designed to implement the specific and clear safety, greenhouse gas reduction, and multimodal goals and actions found in these plans, including in the 2021 general plan, which has over 170 policies and actions related to significantly improving active transportation, and the climate action and resiliency plan, also called the CARP, and the Vision Zero Action Plan. The CARP goal, um, the Main goal is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions to 50% below 2005 levels by 2030. And the general plan um, complements this by saying that to achieve this, Alameda must give residents convenient and safe climate-friendly transportation choices and alternatives to the single occupant vehicle. Despite Alameda having an extensive bikeway and sidewalk network, most residents rely on cars for their trips. And you can see that number is 70%. This um, slide on mode share has been updated and will be updated in the next plan. It's slightly different from the version in the plan, which was not correct. However, um, as you can see on the left, the majority of trips are less than three miles and could be accomplished using active modes. To meet the emission reduction goals, residents um, will need to switch some of their trips to active modes, um, obviously where possible. The vision of the Vision Zero Action Plan is to eliminate traffic deaths and serious injuries by 2035. And we know that pedestrians and bicyclists, while they only make up a small percentage of Alameda's commute mode share or even all trip shares are disproportionately affected by severe crashes in Alameda at 62% of all crashes. So the projects and the programs in this active transportation plan are designed to really contribute towards the city meeting, um, the goals that I've just described and the other goals in these plans. And I'm gonna pass it now on to Michael. Great, thanks Rochelle. So I uh, wanna just talk about some of the, the analysis that went into this plan. As you know, from previous 
presentations given to this commission, um, quite a bit of analysis was done and it is safe to say it's a very data-driven plan. Uh, just to recap, uh, the plan entailed a statistically significant community survey that had over a thousand responses. Uh, from that survey, we gathered that 70% of residents walk uh, and almost 40% ride a bike at least a few times a month. And then over half of residents agree that they would drive less if biking and walking were, were safer. And over 80% of city residents think Almeida should do more to make it safer to walk across busy streets. And 70% um, think that um, should do, the city should do more to make it safer for people to bicycle. So um, compelling, compelling findings from that survey. And we coupled that with um, a variety of other uh, data analyses, including a bicycle level of stress analysis, a pedestrian level of uh, traffic analysis that was done on all intersections in Alameda. Uh, we identified uh, in the Vision Zero effort, high injury corridors, and that, that those were applied to the active transportation plan analysis, as well as a trip potential um, and network prioritization analysis. Next slide. Lots of, lots of community engagement over the past three years uh, with two big outreach efforts as, as um, Rochelle showed in the schedule and now we're in our third. Um, and we have, the city has held over 45 public events, meetings with local organizations and board and, uh, board and commission meetings. And again, from this engagement, um, we resoundingly heard that people want to walk and bike more and um, want to have their kids safely walk and bike to school. Safety is really a top priority. Speeding is a concern. And that much of the existing bicycle network does not feel comfortable for, for most bicyclists. That is what we have heard from, from the community. Next slide. At the outset of the project, way back in 2019, we conducted an analysis of existing conditions and engaged the community on what, what they wanna see as the biggest barriers and needs, um, what they see as the biggest barriers and needs uh, for walking and bicycling. I'm not gonna read all of this to you, but um, again, you know, ensuring that busy streets don't create barriers to bicycling and walking, um, improving north-south bikeway connectivity was, was really identified just from our existing conditions analysis obviously improving crossings um, off uh, to and from the island uh, islands and upgrading existing facilities and adding new facilities that are low stress. And we'll talk more about that in a bit. Next slide. So we have uh, the plan, it's been out for public review, uh, it consists of, of eight chapters and I'm gonna briefly walk you through some of the, um, the key pieces of, of the plan now. Next slide. I'm not going to read the vision, but uh, just want to mention that um, this vision was developed uh, with extensive public input and um, an input from this commission as well. Um, using that input, we some of the language was tweaked and importantly, uh, transit was was added as, as a key piece of, of the vision. Uh, just the idea of providing comfortable walk bike and roll access to transit. The goals 
put a finer point on how the vision will be achieved and provide the, the structure for the plan and its recommendations. And like the vision, these were developed with community input. Um, they evolved a bit through through the process. And I think one, one thing to note is we heard uh, that the equity goal uh, needed needed some tweaking and that was uh, that was back in 2020 when we presented the draft recommendations and so that goal was was modified but these again provide the structure for the plan next slide the plan um, then goes into designing for for pedestrians and Elmita has a well-developed pedestrian network in that just about every street has sidewalks and other pedestrian infrastructure, but there's definitely a lot of room for improvement in terms of safety and comfort. So the plan puts forth, um, really focuses on enhancing the existing network through a three-step process. And this process um, involves uh, looking up the, the pedestrian street type, which I'm gonna get into in just a bit, identifying the appropriate treatments for those streets, and then uh, developing projects to improve safety and comfort. Um, and that's also entails public public input through the design and engineering phases. So I'll talk about street types that were established. Um, so pedestrian facilities are essential on every street in Almeida, no doubt about that. And the types of, of corridor and intersection design treatments needed depend in part on how the street is is used or in, um, anticipated to be used. And so the plan identifies five pedestrian street types that respond both to the function of the street and the land use context. The plan contains a, a table that provides street type definition, typical current conditions uh, for those streets, design goals. Uh, what is that street really trying to accomplish from a pedestrian point of view? and then provide some example streets uh, with photos. Different but related, the general plan street classifications um, is work that's, that's underway and you'll, you'll hear about that more obviously on, on your next agenda item. And we can, happy to answer any questions as, as to how those two relate. Next slide. The plan um, has a design matrix, which indicates which design treatments are appropriate or desired for each street type, along with a feasibility rating and whether or not the treatment is a FHWA, that's Federal Highway Administration proven countermeasure. So that, um, that is the, the extent of the pedestrian piece. Uh, there's actually a lot in there in that chapter, but I'm now gonna shift over to uh, the planning element of the plan. So the, the plan is really centered around planning for all, all, all types of bicyclists. And the recommendations are focused on accommodating bicyclists of all ages, um, including children, seniors, women, people with disabilities, et cetera. Uh, to accomplish this, the focus is on uh, providing low stress facilities, bikeways that are either physically separated from traffic or exist on low speed, low volume streets, as well as uh, Almeida's extensive and growing trail network. As the graphic shows, there's a spectrum of comfort for, for current and potential bicyclists. And the, the survey that uh, we mentioned earlier was, was conducted to see where Almedians fit into the spectrum. So these numbers that you see on here are numbers from that survey. 
And as you can see, most Almanians have an interest in biking, but very few are, are highly confident. So that that 46% that block um, is really, really the target in terms of getting more people um, biking for all types of trips. And this is really an essential, um, essential for meeting the city's transportation, uh, climate transportation goals. Um, these are the bikeway types proposed in the plan. Most exist in Alameda already. Um, except uh, neighborhood greenways, which are new to Almeida, uh, a new concept, and uh, were referred to earlier in the, in the planning stages as, as bicycle boulevards. And I'll talk more about that in just a bit. Um, as we heard from, from the public, more people would ride um, a bike if, if facilities were safer. So uh, the top row highlights the three types of, of low stress facilities. And the majority of facilities in the bicycle vision network and the low stress network, which we'll show you in just a moment, um, are these types of facilities. Uh, so going from half of, of the network currently to uh, nearly three quarters of the network will be low stress facilities. So neighborhood greenways uh, are streets des designated and designed to give priority to people walking and bicycling while allowing bicyclists and motorists to comfortably and safely share the road. So uh, built into neighborhood greenways as traffic calming, such as speed humps, uh, raised crossings, traffic circles. Um, and in some cases where, where volumes might be higher than the desired threshold, uh, that is vehicle volumes, there may also be some diversion or, or other strategies like uh, right out, right in only to discourage through traffic and reduce those volumes. And probably most critical to neighborhood greenways is are the, the crossings of busy arterial streets and making sure that those are, are safe and comfortable for the, uh, the users that are expected on these facilities. Next slide. Uh, so this map, uh, which is not currently in the plan, but will be um, put into the, the final version of the plan, is a, a map of just the low stress facilities. Um, an effort was made to, to make sure that there was a, a connected network of these low stress facilities. And um, as you can see, it really is, is a grid. And this network connects people to parks and open spaces and uh, major commercial districts are also a key part of, of the network. Uh, you'll see that neighborhood greenways, which are the kind of dotted orangish lines, comprise a large part of the low stress network. And um, yeah, so this map is currently online and it will be added, added to the plan in, in the final version. Next slide, please. And then there's uh, also a map of the, the total bicycle vision network. And this is the, the full build out network, which includes everything on the last slide, uh, plus facilities uh, not necessarily considered low stress, uh, many of which already exist. So uh, these are bike lanes uh, that would be challenging to upgrade uh, to, to other facilities. They're serving um, a segment of the bicycling population well, um, but in a lot of cases, they have parallel low stress facilities that will serve that interested but concerned um, portion of the population even better. Uh, at this point, I'm going to pass it back to Rochelle.
Great, thank you so much, Michael. Um, so I'm gonna um, pick up and talk about slow streets here. Um, so our five slow streets, I think as most people know, were, which were created in 2020 in response to the pandemic, uh, they were evaluated as part of this plan um, per council direction to address their future. Um, they were originally implemented as temporary measures. And so this is the opportunity to look at kind of the long-term plan for them. Uh, we first, first what we did was actually just looked at developing the recommended low stress network that Michael just talked about. And then on top of that, we looked at where the slow streets are located and how those overlap. So the plan states that the existing slow streets that are recommended to be the neighborhood greenways, those would continue as they currently are with a priority to transition to neighborhood greenways in the near term using quick build efforts. And those streets are Pacific, San Jose and Versailles. And this work would be happening in tandem with building out the low stress connected network, um, which includes other neighborhood greenways as seen in the map. Um, and I wanna emphasize that this would mean that the barricades will be removed um, as that transition happens, which um, we are anticipating would happen quickly. Um, the two streets that are not recommended as neighborhood greenways are Santa Clara Avenue and Orion Street. So these um, would be removed as slow streets shortly after the plan is adopted. So um, as requested last year during the slow streets evaluation, um, staff, uh, as was requested by the Transportation Commission, staff compared the merits of using uh, Versailles versus Pearl, basically as the future neighborhood greenway. And we are recommending Versailles as shown in the plan. Um, in looking at the streets, both of them have some benefits for being a neighborhood greenway, such as being continuous north-south routes across most of the island or much of the island. They're evenly spaced with other low-stress routes and they have similar numbers of intersections um, and also of stops, on, uh, stops along them. Um, but uh, Versailles was selected since it has additional beneficial um, attributes. One is that it connects across Fernside to neighborhoods along Marina and Windsor streets. Um, there are also more existing traffic controls at busy cross streets, including Encinal. And also the street is a little more central to the school zones for Edison School and Otis um, Elementary. So I'm gonna transition back now to talking about um, the chapter in the plan that is on trails and water crossings. Um, this plan adds 14 miles of new or upgraded trails. Those are mostly along the water, which would be building out the Bay Trail. Um, it includes an emphasis on trail maintenance. We have heard that loud and clear that that is, uh, we've fallen short on that front and we need to do more on that. Um, it also calls for upgrading existing bridges to make them safer and more comfortable to use and pursuing options for new bridges, including the one on the West End, uh, which um, are, we're doing the detailed feasibility for, plus um, exploring the feasibility of a second bike ped bridge that would connect to Bay Farm. So the final two chapters of the plan are essentially like an action plan focusing on what we can do over the next eight years, which is by 2030. And that goal year was selected since it syncs with the CARP goal year and is also a realistic 
time frame to plan for larger projects. So we have a programs chapter and that the plan has 31 programs that support the infrastructure um, proposed in the plan via guidance documents, also educational programs, maintenance programs, bike parking, and much more. Um, and these are organized by time frame, uh, with all being completed by 2030. And the plan has um, 31 projects to complete by 2030. Um, and these capital project recommend, what, how we approach this list was the capital project recommendations for the pedestrian bicycle networks and the trail networks um, from all of those chapters. Those projects were scored and ranked using a data-driven evaluation process that is grounded in the plan goals and that's described more in the, uh, one of the appendices. And next, those resulting high-ranking projects were assessed using more qualitative knowledge and expertise um, and um, considering one of the overall goals of this planning effort, which was included creating a connected low-stress network that eliminates many of the gaps in our existing network. And this resulted in the 31 projects in this plan, and they are categorized by projects that have bike and ped benefits or their trails, um, or they are part of um, the 2030 Low Stress Backbone Network, which um, is this slide here. So this network, um, which is, so it is the streets on this network are a part of those 31 projects on that 31 project list. Um, these are a subset of the overall, or we sometimes call it the vision low stress network. It's not the complete low stress network. It only includes those low stress facilities that are uh, we feel like would serve the largest number of existing and future riders. And it builds on the ex excellent existing and planned shared use paths and separated bike lanes, such as along Central Avenue, um, and fills in the gaps, many of which are north-south to create this connected backbone bicycling network. Um, and as you can see, and as Michael mentioned, um, Alameda's newly added bikeway type, the neighborhood greenways are really integral to building this network. Um, and the network is designed to seamlessly connect um, the community to schools and major transit hubs, commercial centers, bridge crossings. And we feel it's an ambitious but realistic goal for 2030 that future bikeway implementation will expand upon. So um, that's the overview of the plan. And um, I wanna just give you a quick highlight of some of the input we're receiving. Uh, we are still receiving input as was mentioned. Um, uh, maybe I didn't mention it yet. <laughs> we are still receiving input. Um, our deadline for, for public comment is this Sunday. Uh, we have, last time I looked, over 200 surveys, some online surveys submitted. We have hundreds of comments from the events and commission meetings. But I can share with you some of the key takeaways that we've seen and some of which we are already working on for the next final draft. Um, so one is to make our performance measures more robust and to include targets. And that's something that is in progress currently we're working on. Another is to look at the costs, the plan costs, which I um, do not have further information on tonight, but we are pulling that together for the 2030 implementation plan specifically, focusing on the next eight years, what that cost would be, and we're developing that. Uh, we are um, 
looking at this this plan with the general plan street classification system which you know you've now moved to your next agenda were developed um uh first separately and then somewhat concurrently but there is still a need and we recognize that need to align these two plans and so we're still reviewing these and um uh, working on syncing them up um, and so um, we're open to more comments on that, but as something that we are aware of and are working on. Um, and um, we have, there has been um, a lot of interest in a faster transition from slow streets to neighborhood greenways. And a lot of that is because of uh, people being tired of the barricades on the street. And um, so that is something that we are also working on, um, however, kind of how we do that transition is not technically part of the plan, but it is a separate process and the design for that and the timeline. So we are working on that. And then we are updating some, making some other um, small corrections like the trip data that I mentioned earlier, we are um, updating that. Some of the other comments we've heard and are thinking about are um, the need for more staffing to complete this 20, 30 implementation plan. Uh, there are comments around keeping some or all streets for autos. Um, and there are many, many design level comments that people have provided, which this, this is a citywide plan. So those design level comments will be kept and considered as we, we move or other projects are moving into implementation. So as I've mentioned, the next steps are um, that uh, our comment period We'll be wrapping up on the 23rd, although we are doing some more presentations to different groups and commissions next week. Um, and we will be taking this comment, these comments and considering them and incorporating them into a final draft plan, which would be released uh, by November 7th. And then our intention is to come back to the commission at your regular November meeting on the 16th. And at that meeting, we would be asking for a recommendation from the commission to recommend the plan to the city council. And we would take that same version to the city council for adoption on December 6th with any recommendations from this commission. So just for the, this is my last slide and just for the benefit of the public, um, I wanna say that we are still um, taking comment. We'd love to hear from, from everyone. Um, and uh, this is the webpage, www.activealameda.org. There is an online survey there or um, information can be emailed to us or comments can be emailed. We also do have a print copy of the plan at the reference desk at the main library. So with that, I'm going to stop sharing and I'm, uh, we're happy to take questions and hear your comments. Thank you. Thank you. And I apologize, I blipped out there for a second from my connectivity, but I think I'm back and everyone can hear me okay, I hope. Okay, thank you. So I missed your, your closing, but I think we're ready for comments. So thank you for uh, the presentation and um, really just pulling a very a very long effort forward. Um, if she mentioned, this is, I think this is the fifth time. I think I heard that this has been coming back to this commission. So in an iteration. Six, yeah. Six. So we have five previous presentations. Now this one, and along with Vision Zero and everything else. So thanks for the um, um, endurance. I guess I, I'll say on that. <clears throat> so as uh, staff mentioned, this is not for. Um, this is an informational item tonight, and soliciting feedback from um, 
this commission as a primary body for for feedback on behalf of the city and um, uh, in parallel with the other outreach that's being done at the same time. So with that, I'll open it up to um, the commissioners for comments or questions. We'll take um, public comment in a few minutes, but since this is an, an informational item, I feel like an open discussion is appropriate. So just either raise your hand on Zoom or at your screen and I will um, do a, a round robin. Commissioner Johnson, thanks for kicking, kicking, kicking us off. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Um, um, thank you for that. Thanks to everyone for the for the presentation. Um, I think it was really great. Um, I, I just have a little minor comment. So I was actually able to attend the open house on Sunday, which was at the uh, public library, which was really cool. I got to sort of hear the community have some conversations and eavesdrop and to, to listen to, to folks. And I actually was fortunate enough that um, Gail Payne gave me a hard copy of the plan. So I've been sort of reading through it. And one of the questions that I heard at, on Sunday from, um, from a, a couple of the singers, and I don't know if it can be, if it could be tweaked a little bit like, but um, on the hard copy, at least on page 25, um, it's, there's a map of the sort of pedestrian high, in, high, pedestrian high in, injury corridors. And when you look at that map, it sort of differentiates between tier one, tier two, tier three. I don't know if I talked to you about this, Rochelle, but one of the questions that I had was like the seniors are having a hard time differentiating between tier one and tier two on the map because the colors were just too close. It was, I mean, I have glasses on. I was really looking at like, if you look at the uh, map, like on... Um, you can see between tier one and, and tier two, it's sort of really hard to tell the difference between um, the tier one and tier two. And I was wondering if that's something that can be tweaked or different colors can be used so, so that the, the public can sort of make that clear delineation between the tier one and the tier two. I don't know if that's something that could be, um, uh, if, if, if that's something that could be looked at so that's my yeah definitely comment. thank you yeah we've we've heard that comment before thank you yeah we can yeah. we can yeah, try to change that. that yeah commissioner johnson i mean i appreciate that because i um you know it sounds minor but when we're going out for the public we do need to be mindful of yeah abilities um on being able to see various colors of uh of on this on the spectrum of the color wheel and so any dashes or anything else i think it's a, a fair comment for um accessibility if nothing else so thank you for that yeah all right thank you chair souls so yeah other comments from commissioners vice chair ewan hi hi um i first want to thank rochelle and others on staff for this tremendous effort, multi-year effort um, to create this really amazing plan. I think that this is a really robust plan and is really representative of all your hard work um, to date and all of, and you all at, uh, in the city staff have really taken to heart the, the multitude of comments and feedback you've received over the many years 
um, and the many ways in which uh, you've received input and really sort of taken that to heart. And I, I really do think that the plan is a really strong one. Um, and I'm really proud of this and I'm really proud to just, um, and I'm just really amazed. I just first want to say that. I do have several comments though and questions. And so I don't know how we want to pace this. I don't, I don't want to rattle on and on and on. So I, maybe what I can do is like start with a few, let other people speak and then come back in. I, I kind of look into you chair souls in terms of how you want to direct the conversation or should I just add everything in now? Um, why don't you go ahead and do one or two and then maybe I'll stop you if it starts getting a lot or if I see other commissioners that um, I would ask the other commissioners I appreciate the note on logistics vice chair first of all and so I think if you have if you have more than a few you can go ahead and start and then I'll ask the other commissioners that if you have something that you want to you know that's along the same lines of that topic be, beyond maybe echoing just for the sake of time um, please raise your hand on your screen. That way I can kind of pace the meeting to have uh, targeted discussions around areas that may be, um, that vice chair may springboard us into with, with your comments, if that's okay. okay Great. Go ahead. I would just say tagging along with uh, what Commissioner Johnson was saying in, in regards to the um, high injury corridor map. I did have some comments about maps in general. I love maps and I, I appreciate all the maps and just the detail. I could totally nerd out on it. Um, I do think for Appendix A, which is the, I'm forgetting the, it's some sort of prioritization map. I do think the coloration is backwards. I think the reds should be the highest tier, right? I'm sorry. It should be backwards. I think the red should be like the highest tier and the green should be the lowest tier. And I think that just would make it jump out a little bit more and be clearly defined on what is the highest priority versus the lowest priority. So that's one. I do think there are a number of maps where I wasn't quite clearly understanding what the intention of the map is. I think um, the presenter from Tool showed, or maybe it was Rochelle, showed the 2030 low stress bike network map and I it took me I didn't understand until you presented just now what that is so I think each of the maps would really be served well by just adding in two or three sentences in the caption and the legend about what the map is um, because I was getting mixed up a little bit on the 2030 low stress network versus the other low stress network map and I was like there's a difference but I don't understand the difference like what's the significance so just those couple of things, adding in the captioning and then looking at some of the coloration in addition to what Commissioner Johnson said, I think would just make the maps just um, for me way more um, user-friendly. So I'll stop there. I have other comments, but you can circle back around to me for I, later I just on. wanna make sure on, on the, the coloration, I think these are also just comments of just generally public outreach tools as we move forward that a lot of these are already produced and printed and published for public comments. So I don't know if staff wants to set any expectations here about what we may see coming forward now versus later on this. I do like the, I do agree with the comment on the annotations vice chair. And I think, you know, whereas, I don't know what programs these are in or how difficult it is or who's gonna look at it since we're already in the public comment phase for these maps. Um, so maybe it is kind of a lesson learned for moving forward, but I think the annotation could be added to the eventual final plan 
to allow for some of that readability and kind of just the what exactly am I looking at in this map because there's so many that kind of are repeated so maybe that that's the best note for an actionable item that can go into the final if I could propose that. I would just okay. add, yes, I think these notes for, I think if, if we can update the um, maps for the final draft, um, that would be what I would, if that's possible, that'd be what I would recommend. Yeah, because we're going to be looking back on it for, you know, at least eight years, hopefully. And so um, I want to get to Commissioner Colstrand briefly because she had her hand raised and then uh, Commissioner Nantigal, I'll come to you next. Okay, thank you. Um, first, I'd like to say overall, I think this is just a great plan. Um, it evidences a great amount of work over a long period of time and focused on trying to improve accessibility and safety for Alamedans who are bicycling and walking. And I think it goes a long way towards working towards a more balanced um, use of our public rights of way, um, which is what we're after. And it's the basis of trying to address climate change and the goals that the city has in that area. I think um, there are a few kind of, oh, and well, I guess one more thing about that in general, I think it's probably 90 to 95% of the way there. My biggest concern continues to be kind of how we integrate the two plans. So I'm, I'm not gonna go into a lot of detail about that here because I think we need to work through that a little bit with staff and a working committee to figure out how we deal with this. Um, because I think it does a really good job of giving alternatives for people who are moving around Alameda. And it's important for those who want to bicycle or walk out of Alameda to into Oakland. But I think we really need um, for that latter trip because it also is the commute trip and because um, the gateways are our key congestion points in the city. I think we need to give more consideration to what we can accommodate at those gateways um, and still try to improve our transit mode shares um, so that we're not just so focused on bicycle and pedestrian. Um, and I say that because so many of our capital projects that we've been focusing on as a commission have been bicycle and trans or bicycle and pedestrian improvements. So I wanna just uh, talk about kind of the key areas that I want, I think are still, uh, need to be looked at and need some resolution. And that is the key one for me is the redundancy and the establishment of east-west routes, bicycle routes in central Alameda. And just if you will indulge me, so Pacific, Lincoln, Santa Clara, Central, Alameda Avenue, Encinal, San Antonio, San, San Jose are all recommended as some sort of bicycle route. And there's a lot of redundancy in there. And we've already made some improvements. We're gonna make improvements on Encinal. We've already made them on Central and Santa Clara. If we had an unlimited amount of money and we could do whatever we wanted, that would be great, but we don't. And in particular, you know I'm gonna say this about Lincoln, it's the one last street that's 
two lanes in each direction. And I really think we need to consider that for transit. So I'll go into more detail that in, on that issue when we have our subcommittee meeting and we'll, we'll come back with the comments to the main commission. But I also think um, for our main streets and our gateways, we really need to think through how, whether we can and how we might accommodate all modes at those gateways, because that's going to be really challenging, especially at High Street, which is basically two lanes. Um, and it's not, you know, it's not a major, as major of an access point on and off the island as the other bridges, but uh, it's still kind of lumped into the same category. So we kind of need to reach, to think through clearly how all that's going to function. And then I have other specific comments. Um, so I'm happy, well, maybe I'll make one more about, and then, then you can come back to me. Um, and it's kind of along the, the um, consideration of how we merge these two. Um, at our last meeting, uh, Jim Strelu brought up the issue of why um, Gibbons was not a neighborhood connector. And I have thought about that off and on. And as I looked at the street classification system, I think we have to have a discussion about that. And I think that will impact whether we have a neighborhood greenway designation on Gibbons. So that's really important to um, engage the other part of this discussion, which is the overall street classification system before we make a final decision on that. And then you can come back to me for the other uh, points that I wanted to bring up. Absolutely, and I don't want to repeat my comments along the same lines earlier. I mean, I kept on thinking in the terms of modal equity, in the sense of you know that we do have these you know peak times and the commuter um, base of how we release those pain points. I was actually on Gibbons, so I was thinking about that one um, the other day because I do feel like that, especially in the morning, now that the Oakland side of um, both uh, High Street as well as if you go down Fruitvale that they have worked on all these improvements in pavement and everything else and now that bottleneck is no longer there and I noticed that there's uh, a little bit of different circulation happening along Fernside now so I don't know if people have picked up on it or not. Um, so like I said, I don't want to I don't want to echo everything and reiterate everything. So I'm going to go to uh, Commissioner Noctegall and then I'll come back to Vice Chair Yu and I'll circle back to you Commissioner Colstrand in just a bit. Commissioner Noctegall. Thank you, Chair Souls. And I mean, I had raised my hand at that point just to echo something about the coloration of the maps, but that's fine. I'm, you know, whether or not that changes for the final, I did agree with uh, uh, Vice Chair Ewan about the, the opposite colorations where the red looked like the more critical rather than the less as far as priorities. but. Anyhow, I, I am happy at this point to give my other comments too. Uh, I really did wanna say that I wanna commend Rochelle. I know this has been a lot of years and it, we have heard about this a lot. It's, it's great, it's a great plan. There's a lot of great work to improve active transportation in Alameda for sure. And I'm excited to see the low stress network. I think that's that's awesome. And the, the slow streets are going to transition to neighborhood greenways. That's really, that's cool. That's really cool. A lot of those are east, east, west. And so 
One of my biggest concerns, and I've said it a lot of different times and I'm still saying it, is the ensuring enough low stress north-south connections. Um, those are the connections that get everyone to and from the, the, the Cross Alameda Trail and all of these neighborhood greenways and schools and the commercial districts, right? Like those north-south connections have to be safe, not just if you're on bikes, but if you're pedestrian, if you're wheeling, if you're on a, on a knee scooter, whatever, you have to be able to get across. If you're pushing a, a stroller, you have to be able to get across these avenues. And, and it's noted throughout the plan that like even in the, my, I've got it here, I wrote it, the level of stress assessment conducted by tool, it says arterial, arterial streets are the high stress, are high stress for people bicycling and for pedestrians when crossing the street. And it really is the truth. And there's a lot of, there's improvement, but I think there's room for more as far as safe crossings and, and the ability to get people to and from. And you know, we're about to have a whole bunch of new buildings finished along the Northern waterfront. Let's make sure all those folks on the Northern waterfront can safely get across the island too and get to all of the different different places they want to go and then get all the way out to uh, Alameda Point. And if they want to go over to Bay Farm, right, let's make it a truly connected system, not just east-west, but all of those safe north-south crossings. And goodness gracious, we've got South Shore and all that awesome access. Let's make sure people can safely get to South Shore. I know there's some canals in the way. I'm not talking about those. But, you know, like get people out and using everything fully connected. So that, but I go back to, there's a lot of great work here. So thank you, definitely. Thank you, Commissioner Noctegal. And I saw Commissioner Suthan Thera in the, the Bay Farm that you can, bay, you can bike from Bay Farm to South Shore. It's not hard, it's, it's, a, it's a nice ride. So, <laughs> um, okay, so we've heard from most of our commissioners and I know that we have Vice Chair Ewan as, we're, as well as Commissioner Colstrand with additional comments. Um, if it would be acceptable, I would like to go, um, Commissioner Suthan Thera, because you haven't spoken on this topic, I will, uh, uh, address yours first and then I'd like to take public comments so we can get some additional feedback before we finish our discussion if that's all right with um, the commissioners that are waiting to give their remaining points. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. Commissioner Suthanthera, please. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, I just want to provide some high-level points and then so um, I do have some detailed comments and I will go after the public comments as you say. So I want to first uh, congratulate uh, Rochelle and team. And, you know, when you had uh, the workshop or public outreach in 2019 in the library, I was there with my kids. So if you remember Rochelle. So um, this is like a real deja vu and uh, uh, it's amazing. And it is a progressive plan. And I can see the lot of, um, um, how do I say, deep thoughts and making the plan really, you know, come together for both modes, um, given the current trend in the industry. Um, and so it is not a small feat. So congratulations. And uh, all of the comments that's coming down, um, you know, coming towards you is only for refinement to make the plan better and uh, um, help the, the city meet its objective. And so having said that, um, you know, I'm just the high level thought um, is that, uh, you know, this is an island 
And being an island, we have some benefits and disbenefits. Uh, the benefits are we don't have any cut through, cut through traffic from any, any of our neighbors. And uh, the other benefit is, uh, the key one is we can design the way to facilitate um, uh, you know, the, the model use and to help our folks, um, help our uh, residents um, in, you know, to achieve the goals that you are talking about. I really like the goal that you have here. One of the goals that's under community, which is to promote and inspire um, uh, to foster a strong culture of biking and walking. You know, we can really do that uh, being an island, but that's all about internal circulation. You have to really remember that. For all the external external connection, we are, you know, really stuck with our gateways. And then that's where the, um, you know, multi-model thinking, which is mostly automobile, which is which includes transit when I say, right? And of course, we have ferries, and then we have to have some way to facilitate uh, all the, the active transportation get to ferry. Uh, but other than that, that's only a small fraction. So we have to remember that we, and I, and I do notice that the last slide that you put up as um, you know the comments received does say that um, accommodate um, automobile as well. And if you don't do that, it's going to burst at seams and uh, which by seams, I mean that it is going to flow into neighborhood routes and uh, ways is a big one. If, if they get into our city and they can really provide access into all our neighborhood routes and then, uh, you know, all the residents will be at our, uh, at the city hall. So, so we do have to acknowledge that. And I'm glad we defer the, deferred the, uh, roadway classification um, to the subcommittee to discuss, and I hope that they will consider that they, they will think about this um, rather than having some fragmented approach um, in uh, identifying the major routes with, uh, you know, by block by block differentiation and classification. We have to really consider how we can accommodate all modes and distinguish between safe internal and convenient internal circulation and also, you know, convenient uh, in getting out, uh, out of the island. So with that, I will stop and um, probably I'll get to my um, comments, detailed comments later. Of course, thank you for um, Commissioner uh, Nattingal um, for, for uh, you know, Bay Farm Island connection. I have a lot of points. The first thing I did this morning is to ride my bike to Lincoln uh, School. So I will, I have some points on that. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for those comments. And I, and I, I do echo some of those as well. Um, all right, let's go to um, any hands raised on the public comment side. And so I'd like to have all the public comments. There's three minutes on the clock for each one. It looks like we got our clock working. So I'm gonna kick it over and then we'll do a um, finish out of commissioner comments back to staff as far as their feedback so we can capture that and um, and to wrap up. So if you would like to comment on this agenda item 6A specifically, then please raise your hand and we will start welcoming you to the panel. Who are we promoting to first? Um, uh, the first speaker will be Denise Trepanier. Good evening. Great, hi, how are you doing this evening? Um, thanks for the opportunity to speak tonight. My name is Denise Trepanier and I'm the board president for Bike Walk Alameda which is your local safe streets advocacy organization. We're very excited um, to see how far this plan has come since its prior draft in the before times um, and want to express our thanks uh, to all the work that staff and the consultants have done 
to build what I think is a really good plan. Uh, we've also sent a detailed letter with our thoughts and comments, but I just wanted to highlight a couple of broad stroke areas that we would like to see considered. For the neighborhood greenways, we'd like to see minimum design standards that will be implemented and not just a toolbox of treatments that will be considered. Um, this would be similar to what we did recently with daylighting intersections in our high injury corridors. City Council approved a policy change in order to expedite the process, and now daylighting only requires notification, um, and it happens in tandem with other roadwork projects. So we're wondering if there's a comparable policy um, change that could be recommended to expedite implementation of these projects. Um, it would be really nice if we could see the burden of proof shifting onto those who are opposing these safety treatments instead of it being on those who are trying to design and implement them. Um, we'd like to consider, have you consider if it's feasible to define minimum safety treatments that would be implemented unless they were deemed technically infeasible? Um, is, it, is it possible to define a default set of treatments that will be implemented on our neighborhood greenways so we don't have to go through a lengthy design process? Um, we'd also really like to see McKay with a safe bicycling facility connecting to um, what will be the new Central Avenue bike lanes that are in the works um, and the park that's at the end of McKay. I think it's important that we have a low stress facility there. Um, and finally, thank you, Chair Souls, for um, mentioning at the beginning how intertwined our street classification is with um, all of our other plans. We had concern that the gateway and commercial business district designations around Alameda Landing and Marina Village shopping centers might mean that the safest treatments wouldn't be applied there. These areas um, are part of our low stress network and we really need to be able to, you know, as one of the key things that we talked about at the beginning, we need to get people to where they wanna go on a low stress network. So I think those are, are really, um, it's important that we all agree on how those roads will be treated and classified, but it sounds like um, everyone's already on that. Um, you'll find a lot more detailed information about these points in our letter, um, but just wanted to say thanks for this plan. Um, and then just real quickly, I just wanted to comment that um, four of the east-west connecting bike facilities that we have right now are not low stress. So let's just, um, I just want to keep in mind that things like Santa Clara and Central, parts of Central, um, are really door zones. Um, so I don't think we have a lot of redundancy there. Anyway, thanks for um, all of the work on this. Thank you. Thank you for your comments tonight. Um, okay, I have it up now. So I think Travis Morgan is next, if I have that right. Great, thank you. Uh, thank you all for an excellent plan. It's looking really awesome. I live along Gibbons and would like to see it as a neighborhood greenway. I think that as many neighborhood greenways, especially like the prior speaker was saying with high quality infrastructure in place to uh, promote low stress, safe cycling would be the way to go. So go neighborhood greenways, make them awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining tonight and providing comments. I don't see any other hands raised. Uh, no. Oh, no. Okay, Jim, Jim Stralo. Can we get him back? Hi, Jim, go ahead. Evening. Others and I would have thought that the ATP was going to pass citywide improvements such as identifying where 20 mile per hour e-bikes could safely ride. Do e-bikes belong in protected bikeways? This plan relies heavily on engineering changes versus behavioral education. 
Smartphone use, headphones being worn. When were the bicyclists and pedestrians at fault at the injury locations? Uh, instead, I see how this plan has targeted certain streets for changes. For Versailles, 49% of the complaints on slow streets saw Versailles as the highest for any slow street, yet the council in this ATP ignores this commission's recommendation to move off of Versailles. This plan ignores the citizens' wishes for Versailles. People use Versailles to get to the Encinal Business District. You're increased, you increase greenhouse gas use by forcing vehicles trying to get to the Encinal Business District by using other streets. That equals traffic diversion to neighborhood streets. That's undesirable. Huh? Fernside, for years, the residents of Fernside have notified the city of their concerns of speeding with the wish for more enforcement and some safety improvements. At no time were, the, were their desires of the uh, Fernside residents to want a two-way protected bike lane, which is the only change indicated on the ATP map for Fernside. Fernside residents feel overlooked, ignored, where only the bike needs were addressed. Gibbons Drive, at the virtual meeting on October 5th, the uh, neighborhood Greenway said was gonna be treated like a slow street where they'd be closed off uh, to the street to through traffic. And now I'm hearing yeah, at least that, well, there might be right-hand turn only at certain intersections. That might be also at high streets. That's highly undesirable. Huh? This plan has Gibbons as a neighborhood connector, yet the street designation chart that was gonna be introduced in 6B tonight has it as just a neighborhood street. Your committees cannot agree. There is confusion. Out-of-town visitors to Alameda often take High Street to drive along Gibbons Drive to enjoy the liquid amber trees, either when arriving to or leaving from Alameda via High Street. Potentially closing off Gibbons Drive at High Street for your suggested right turn only would not be liked by visitors. Uh, who on staff has the authority to propose Gibbons Drive for a neighborhood greenway? You must have had lots of statistics of high street, high speed violations and crashes. Otherwise, at whose request? If you uh, heard from some squeaky wheels along Gibbons Drive, what about the 150 non-squeaky wheel residents who like Gibbons Drive as it is? Keep it multimodal, huh? Send this plan back for further study, directly contact residents of proposed change streets, et cetera. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your comments tonight. Um, I'm not seeing any other hands raised. And so I'm going to close the public comment period and come back to the commission for further comments. And I'm gonna start with Vice Chair Ewan. Thank you for your patience on us getting back to you. So please continue with yours. And again, if someone has something to add on or for discussion that would uh, support feedback back to staff on this item as informational, then just raise your hand either virtually or in your camera so I can address that at the same time. Go ahead, Vice Chair. Thank you, Chair Souls. I have a couple of maybe questions. I have a couple of questions, maybe one that's a little bit easier than the other. Um, my first question is regarding table one, with this, which is the pedestrian design matrix. Just my understanding of the table, or at least the way in which it's currently laid out and um, pr presented, I, I'm not understanding fully how the city is intending to use this table. Is this table saying that only these types of treatments will be allowed on these types of streets? 
and overlays or are these suggestions or sort of prioritizations? Um, for example, like the rapid flashing beacons, I think right now is only marked as a check under schools overlay. And I, I think that that is a treatment that we would, or intervention that we would want to use in multiple types of places. So I just wanted to kind of like gut check how we're actually using this as a, as a way to um, guide design. That's my first question. My second question is, I think going back to Commissioner Noptical's comment around increasing North-South access um, via our bike um, network, um, the Grand Street project, I think the, the, the what's in the active transportation plan right now is that there would be a protected separated bikeway and that's in question a little bit now limbo so I'm just wondering uh, what is staff's advice on sort of how we should be treating that and providing comments on that should we be waiting uh, for the November or for more kind of direction on that um, I think that's the question that I, those are my two questions. Um, I think for the first one, I think we can have staff address it as far as the table. Um, for the second one, um, if staff does want to address that, I, I do think that is an item within the council that is in a state of flux. And so I'm not sure if there is any um, mid-stride advice as far as, or, or maybe a look ahead at what we could expect, Vice Chair. So Rochelle or Lisa, would you, either of you like to address one or both of those? Yeah, I will start. Um, so um, that's a, those are both great questions. Um, for table one, the pedestrian design matrix. Um, yeah, we realize this is a lot um, and um, uh, maybe hard, uh, we've worked hard to try to make all of this more accessible and realize maybe there's still some, some uh, room for improvement. Um, so, uh, the idea is that this would be used when we have pedestrian projects, whether they're part of a larger complete street effort or they're part of street maintenance or they're part of, um, say, reviewing a development and the street frontage in front of that development. So anytime we have an opportunity where we know we want to or have the opportunity to make um, pedestrian like street improvements, um, we would use this to look up the street type and then based on that street type, look at the treatment matrix. And um, it's basically giving us what the available treatment options are that we should be considering. It's also a way for us to make kind of more um, kind of transparent to the public what we're considering and what we're not considering. And the three but we're not saying that all of these things would be used. They're really kind of what's in your toolkit for this particular street and location. Um, and then from that, you know, toolkit, then there's the effort of, well, okay, then you look, look really, what are the specifics of this street? What are the volumes? What are the widths? What are the adjacent land uses? What's the budget? All of those things. And then you would, and what's public input? And then you use all of those to do the actual design. Um, the three categories that you see for in each of the cells for each of the um, design treatments are one is, yes, this is a permitted or sure you can use this device kind of no, no questions asked kind of right. And then the second one is more of a maybe 
and kind of, or maybe it's more of a depends. And that's because um, the specific FHWA safety guidance might have some specific criteria around that. Like this works best on streets that are, you know, below X miles per hour. So we want to be cognizant of that. And so we want to look at that. Or it may be that um, for that ticket, you might not use it everywhere, but if it's a school overlay, you would want to use it along that street type. Um, or maybe we've tried other treatments and they haven't really worked as well as we'd like. And so that one that's a depend, you know, the open box, that one is one we would consider. And then lastly is the little dash and that's ones we would not consider for that street. So um, for your first question, does that answer your question, uh, Vice Chair Yuen? I think, yes, partially. I think, uh, I'm, I think for some reason I missed the key entirely. And so I, so yes, you answered part of that. I think your first part of the answer in terms of like how you intend to use this, I think maybe kind of spending a little bit of time in the plan, kind of describing that a little bit more robustly than it may just, um, to me, it was, I felt like it was sort of, it was a little bit more cut and dry, like, yes, we, we would consider, or no, we would not consider. And I think there's a little bit more room for like um, consideration discussion given sort of the geometry of the road, the considerations, the budget. I mean, a lot of these other things sort of factor in as well. So thanks for that response. So describing that key, uh-huh. Okay, great. All right. And then for the other question, um, I would say, and we have other staff on the line who are much more uh, working much more closely on Grand Street than I am. I would just say that the reason we are proposing Grand Street as a protected facility is that we as staff feel like um, that is the, you know, following council policy and direction and the needs of building the network and the prioritization criteria that that is the best facility for that roadway um, and uh, uh, having protected bike lanes there. And that that is what helps us create a connected low stress network um, and how that plays out. I see Andrew has put his uh, screen on. I, yeah, before we go um, any further, I mean, I jump on uh, that, yeah. Unless someone really... <laughs> That item came to the commission as a project and the commission weighed in and the commission took their action. And I would prefer to not open a specific project up for discussion given where it's at with the current council. So unless staff really wants to provide detail in the context of the ATP, I would rather not re-adjudicate or add additional discussion to something that has already gone to council and has a, a, an active, like I said, state of flux in, in, in progress from what I could tell. Um, I think that having a report on that, which I already shared with Lisa um, for a future meeting is part of the staff report coming back to the commission on things that come out of this body and go to council and getting a report back on how those were handled at the council level, absolutely. Um, but I'm just afraid that it's going to venture a bit outside of what the agendized item is for this meeting. Is that okay, Vice Chair? Yes, and I think it was, it, my, my question was really just like, should we just ignore that part for right? Just, just 
ignore, ignored in terms of our comments for right now is that um, maybe well, that's the direction. If, if, a, I guess, if staff wants to provide, go ahead, Rochelle. Yeah, I, I would just say, um, I, I, I would not say you should ignore it. it. You should take it as a recommendation and comment on that recommendation on if you want to make a comment on it. It's an informational item. So if we want to provide feedback on that as it appears in the plan and how you would like to see it appear or any kind of comments, then yes, that would be within the agendized item. Andrew, did you, you came back on camera. So I'm assuming you- I just, have I'll, 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 thank you, Chair Souls. All I wanted to say, look, it's going back to council on November 1st. Um, we'll see what happens. If the council's like, no, we don't want to do protected bike lanes. I think that's going to, you know, staff is going to take that as the final decision on Grand Street. That's going to force us to rethink about what the role of Grand Street is in the active transportation plan. And then we'll be back, was it November 14th, Rochelle, November 15th to the, to the transportation commission. 16th. We can report on kind of where we're at and we can all talk about how to adjust or not the active transportation plan um, at that point. On the Grand Street issue, it's okay. You know, it, okay, I think so. Vice Chair, if you want to coalesce anything into a comment back, then feel free. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to cut off the discussion, but I just want to stay within the agendized meeting. Yeah, and I, I realize I just opened a can of worms. I will. Um, I will hold comments on that particular topic uh, until we hear back from Council um, and. We will meet again in November, so we'll have time to chat. Yeah, it sounds like the timeline lines up to where there will be a, a, a space for that. Um, Commissioner Noctegal? I just want to add a tiny clarification to make sure everyone knows. My, my request for more north-south goes way beyond grand. I want more north-south all over the place. <laughs> uh, comment received. Okay, I think that wrapped up yours, so I'd like to circle back to Commissioner Nicole Strand at this time. Okay, thank you. Um, well, first, I, I'm not sure if I clearly articulated this before, but um, I am anxious about the ability of our two main um, main streets, Webster and Park, their ability to accommodate all modes and particularly on Park. Um, and I'm happy to see that you are looking at Oak as an alternative. Uh, bicycle route, because I think it's going to be really difficult to accommodate autos, pedestrians, bicycles, trucks, and transit on Park Street. I think it's going to be really challenging. And I think it will be on parts of uh, Webster as well. Um, I want to make a couple of comments about Bay Farm. Um, the first one has to do with the condition I don't disagree with any of the classifications there, but you've identified a list of improvements um, to the tune of $65 million um, for bicycles and pedestrians. And I think, I know that the bike paths there um, were initially put in by the developer. And I'd like a clarification on whether they're still whether the maintenance of those facilities is still under the homeowners association um, or is it now a city responsibility? Because I think that the um, condition of a lot of the pavement has really gotten bad and it's 
for people that are walking, it's not quite as bad, but if you're on a bicycle, it's become quite a rough ride out there um, on some of the uh, parts of the trail. And so I'd like to um, see that addressed in some way in this plan. Um, also the second crossing to Bay Farm uh, from South Shore to to somewhere midpoint over in the shoreline um, on Bay Farm. I don't think it's a bad idea as a long-term strategy, but I would put it pretty low down in terms of priorities for, um, for myself, just because, well, I, I mean, I, myself as a representative on this commission, <laughs> um, just because I think there are so many other things that are more critical than that second crossing. Um, I wanted to talk about the de um, designation of the Bay Trail and specifically um, how you've dealt with it on Fernside, putting it on Fernside for the short term, I guess, rather than Marina and East Shore. And I don't quite understand why that's the case because there are streets and sidewalks where you can um, get closer to the edge of the water. You're not gonna see, well, there, and there actually are locations on East Shore where you can walk out to the edge of the water. So um, I'd like you to think a little bit further about that, whether we shouldn't just designate that, the Bay Trail, which has always tried to get as close to the shoreline as possible along Marina and East Shore rather than Burnside. And, um, then finally, I just wanted to bring up, uh, this is, is just a knit, I think, for the maps, both on this plan and then on the st uh, citywide street classification plan. Sometimes Coast Guard Island streets are in, sometimes they're out. I'm assuming Coast Guard Island, even though it may be part of the city, it's not in our jurisdiction, so we're not making any changes there. So that should just be clear in the maps. And I think that uh, is wraps up my comments for tonight because so many of them really relate to how we pull the two plans together. So thank you again for your work. Uh, it's been it's been quite a long road for you, and uh, I think it's a it's a good plan. Thank you, Commissioner Colstrand. I only have one to piggyback on there um, that. When it, what struck me on the prioritization was when we talked about kind of the geographical, the geographic equity, I think a lot of the Bay Farm facilities are a bit overdue. Um, and these aren't facilities that are in question for use, as you can see, not just with walk and roll day, but every morning that we have students using these bike paths. I'm seeing more and more of our senior citizens walk in the street instead of on our sidewalks which presents a whole other safety issue that says a lot that they're willing to be in between parked cars and open traffic instead, on, instead of on a legitimate sidewalk. Um, so somewhere in some of the prioritization, I would like to see a little bit of mostly maintenance. So some of the lower dollar amounts on the table seem like they could have a little bit more like I said, geographic equity of, of which neighborhoods are really getting the improvements, not just for safety, but it really is for comfort uh, for a lot of our um, population for both recreation as well as commuting um, to the various transit options that we do have to be able to easily get off of Bay Farm 
that you don't have to bike to the main island. We have park and rides. We have a lot of bike lockers. We have the ferries. So to me, even though not just, you know, intra-island trips, but the commuter trips, um, there's probably a lot of untapped mode shift that we could make there with adding that, that level of comfort um, and maybe cinching up some of the safety areas in our trickier intersections that are flagged here on uh, it being a project, but very low, low, low priority. Um, so maybe a, a $15,000 project that raises in priority because it meets some of those goals and fits the budget would be a compelling way to, to offer that up. Um, I, well, I have the floor, just my other, oh, go ahead, Rochelle. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Chair Souls. I just wanted to ask a clarifying question. When you said they're flagged as low priority, um, where were you seeing? Was that in the plan? The project that was prioritization, where it looked like they were all like we have like Bay Farms all red <laughs> in the appendix. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and I and I get it. I get it because it is. It seems constrained, but we actually do have. Um, I, I talked to a lot of people who are trying to. You know, knowing what the what when the ferry comes back to post pandemic levels and what that's going to do to parking, that there's a lot of people that are willing to really try different ways to get to those that last mile connectivity of transit and to not offer um, options that are comfortable for both bike and ped. I think is a lost opportunity, a missed opportunity there. Um, just the other general comment while I have the floor is that. I'm always impressed with how many capital projects we run as a small city. I'm always impressed by how competitive we are for funding. I mean, our staff do amazing things here. And if you look at cities like Berkeley or you know ones that you could even call comparable, we are really kind of head and shoulders um, above in, in my book. Um, that said, it is a lot to pull forward in eight years. And I don't even know if the costs really capture the overhead and other staff costs and contracting costs to actually bring this many projects forward. 